Hashtag Pistons Podcast. I am Joe. I'm your host. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore truck. I'm joined, as usual, by Mr. Koo Cahill. You can find him on Twitter at Koo Cahill NBA. Newly credentialed to cover the Detroit Pistons for WJR. Um, so, first one in a while. Uh, I've had some internet issues at my house, but I think I've got them figured out, so we should be good to go. Obviously, the first Pistons game is tomorrow night. Most people probably listen to this the day of, so it'll be tonight. Um, the NBA season opens up tonight uh, here on Tuesday night. So, yeah, we're going to be good to go. We're going to just talk about some of the stuff um, that happened fairly recently. Not going to be a super comprehensive preseason breakdown. We just don't have time for that. Uh, but, yeah, so I think we'll jump right into it. We'll talk about with the news that came out today. Um, there are some people who speculated that this something like this was going to happen, but it's now official. Blake Griffin is going to miss at least the first, what, week or so of the season um, to rest his, what was it, his hamstring, I think, uh, and possibly a little bit longer. Uh, so he's probably going to miss at least five to ten games, give or take. Uh, so, Ku, you can start us off. What is your opinion on that situation? Um, you know, definitely very bad news for the Pistons, obviously. Um, if you remember back in the beginning of the preseason when, like, Blake was playing, like, the first game or the second game, everyone was on – there was quite a few people on Twitter talking about he doesn't look healthy, blah, blah. And I was just pretty much throwing it to, you know, it's preseason. Probably not trying that hard. It was chill out. But obviously, I guess something was wrong with him. Um I'm a bit concerned because last year we were told it was just knee soreness and then it turned out to be a torn meniscus. Um, so I don't know if they're like not leading us on correctly, if they're like trying to make it sound better than what it actually is. But it's definitely very disappointing news before the season even starts too. So, And me and Joe have talked about this. I don't know if we've talked about it on a pod because we haven't done it in a minute. But I, I think it's quite obvious for everybody that the Pistons season makes or breaks on the health of Blake Griffin – Derrick Rose and Reggie Jackson. So the fact that we're already suffering an injury to one of those before a game even gets started is uh, definitely disappointing. And and it's, the fans are freaking out, I think, are rightfully freaking out because, like I said, the game hasn't even started yet and we're already dealing with a Blake injury. Well, I think that, and I told you this in the group chat, I tweeted something akin to this too, but... Um, in a vacuum, the fact that Blake is probably going to miss like the first five or so games, that's not necessarily the biggest deal in the world. Um, the Pistons' schedule to start the season is hypothetically not too difficult. Um, and I actually think the fact that they've got Markeith Morris around, we'll see, he did, have a, he did not have a good season last year, but hypothetically he bounces back. He's got a lot of experience as a starter, and he's a pretty good fit, hypothetically, with the rest of the guys in that starting lineup. Um, obviously, the Pistons will be worse without Blake Griffin. There's no question about that. But I think in a vacuum, they can survive five or six or seven games to start the season without Blake. The bigger issue is kind of what you touched on, which is that he played in the preseason. You know, They thought he was going to be ready to go. And so the fact that he played in the preseason but now is going to sit out several games to start the regular season means either it was more serious than they told anybody or they thought he was good to go and then they ended up just being wrong about that or 
he ended up like re-aggravating it or re-hurting it or something like that in preseason slash training camp. And <clears throat> that's actually the bigger worry to me about um, more so than the idea that, well, he might miss the first five or so games of the season because I think they'll be okay in those first five or so games. Uh, the worry is that, like you said, last season they said, oh, it's just knee soreness, and then it ended up being a torn meniscus. You know, what if this ends up being a thing that this isn't going to go away and he's just not going to be right all season? So if we could have some sort of confidence that he's just missing the first five or so games, and then he's going to be good to go. He's going to be healthy, good season ahead of him, right? I wouldn't actually be all that worried. It's the fact that this could mean that he's just not going to be right all season, you know? Maybe he didn't actually have a fully healthy offseason, and he's battling and all season. He's going to be playing through injury even when he's playing, et cetera, et cetera, which that would be catastrophic, I think. <laughs> Koo's got to unmute yeah. himself. <laughs> yeah, definitely would be terrible. And I think it's something that we got to worry about, obviously. And like I said, it really is just really disappointing because the season hasn't even started yet, and we're already dealing with this. But I'm I'm not as – I can't say I'm as optimistic as – because you're not the only one who's voiced this thing. Our friend Sham has. I've seen other people on Twitter voice this. But I'm not as optimistic about being able to survive the first few games without him. Um, if you just look at the Pistons roster, I mean, Joe, I mean, Joe's been on this more than I have in the offseason. I thought we improved in the offseason because, you know, Derrick Rose and et cetera. But Joe has been saying that it was minimal improvement, blah, blah. So if you take Blake off this roster, then it's even worse. And then, I, I mean, it's just, is Marquise Morris really that good to where it, he, he, it's not, I can, we're going to be able to survive without them? And it's Reddy Jackson. And just by the way, I was watching a Reddy Jackson highlight video from like 2015-16 season. I was watching the the, uh, the Chicago Bulls game where Andre dropped like 20-20 and Reggie was going off. I listen. I've been at the games, the preseason games so far, and like and it's preseason, so you know let's not take too much from it. But I don't think this is something that just changes. Reddy Jackson is not the same player. He just doesn't look the same. I mean, even if we consider him healthy to what healthy is for him now. He just does not have that same kind of explosiveness. Like yet last year, I thought he was good. He was healthy, and we all thought, you know, it's great. But you really see the difference if you go watch a game from 2016 and then watch him now. His version of healthy now is not, is not what you think it is. So, like, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm a little bit concerned because I don't think Reggie is as good as, as I thought he was in the offseason. I don't think he's as healthy as I thought. I don't think he's as explosive as I thought he could be. And then also with Andre, the big thing I took away from Andre in the preseason was he's uh, passing out passing out the post and finding people on the perimeter. And now that he's now without Blake, I'm worried that maybe he starts forcing up some shots. Maybe he maybe he starts doing too much, and then that makes Andre look worse. Helps makes the team look worse. You know, I'm I'm quite uh, worried about the first few games without Blake. Okay, so. Here's kind of what I mean by, and I think, look, Reggie Jackson's health. I think anybody who suggests, you know, he's going to get back to that form that he had when he first showed up to Detroit, I think that is wrong. I don't, he's not going to be that guy, uh, just simply put. I think that's pretty established. But what we need for him to, or what the Pistons need for him to be able to do is 
while Blake is out, he needs to be able to take on a higher usage rate and keep things afloat. And even if he's not the Reggie Jackson that, you know, quite frankly should have made the All-Star team that year, put up, you know, what was it, like 19 points and 9 assists per game or whatever, even if he's not that, I think he can still be that guy. So, like, even the post-All-Star break last season, the numbers don't necessarily jump out. Uh, he averaged like 16.5 points and 4 assists per game. That's not that much better than the rest of the season. But after the All-Star break last season, his usage rate was 29%, which is a huge number. His shooting efficiency was better than it had been before at like 55.4%. And he was a significant plus on plus-minus. So that's what I mean by you know, fully healthy offseason. So we heard about this. Rod talked about this with us quite a bit when we had him on last year, that um, internally the Pistons have been saying that Reggie Pry's not going to be all the way right until sometime into January or February, right? So if he can be that from the start, where, and once again, <laughs> obviously, without Blake Griffin, the Pistons will be worse. No one is arguing that. I'm not like, ah, oh, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. But if Reggie Jacks can do that, we're no, he's not going to put up like 20-some points per game, but he can have that higher usage rate, he can take more possessions and sort of make it work. And, you know, just basically, I think that the Pistons can avoid... So let's just say, just for to pick an even nice round number, okay, that Blake River misses the first 10 games of the season, okay? The Pistons play... Uh, what is, where is their schedule? Oh, they don't even have their schedule up here. That's annoying. Just a sec. Let me get it up here. I know they play Indiana three times, Atlanta, Philadelphia. Yeah, okay. So, here. So, their first, one, two, three, four, five. So, their first six games here are the Pacers, the Hawks, the 76ers, the Pacers, the Raptors, the Bulls, okay? The Sixers are good. The Raptors are probably good. The Pacers... Still don't have Victor Oladipo, so they're maybe going to be sort of okay. The Hawks and the and the Bulls are both going to be pretty bad, probably. Okay? So with that in mind, like, I think the Pistons could, through the first 10 games, still be like 5-5 five and five or so, or 6-4, and four, right? So, like, if... So let's just say, okay, let's say that they hadn't picked up Markeith Morris and Thonmaker was the backup four coming into the season, so now he's starting, right? And we didn't have faith that Reggie Jackson was going to be healthy or whatever, right? If that was the case, I'd be like, regardless of record, like, the Pistons might start out, like, 3-7 and seven or 2-8. and eight. And if that happens, you're so far behind that even by the time Blake comes back, you're going to have to play incredibly well even to get back to 500 by the end of the season. So that's really what I'm saying, is that I think that they can at least sort of hold the fort enough so that when Blake comes back, they'll be like, okay, we haven't, you know, we have I don't think that they're going to blow the season in the first 10 games of the season if Blake doesn't play. That's what I'm saying. Once again, the worry, though, is that what if Blake comes back and he's not all the way healthy and holding the fort through the first 10 games, you know, they may be 5-5, five and five, but they're, Blake's coming back and he's going to be 80%, so it doesn't help that much, and they're going to be struggling to be a 500 team all season. Yeah, I, I don't know, Joe. I think, I mean, Reggie Jackson was doing that in the second half of the season. I mean, we have to keep in, keep in mind that uh, Reggie was doing this while not being the main focus of the offense, not having the main focus of the opposing team's defense, et cetera. 
So I just I don't know. I, I he struggled very badly. Like I I don't want I I'll say this. After being in the locker rooms a few times I have, I now want to be more I don't want to be as as crazy as I was on these players, especially like Thon or everything. So I want to try to stay respectful with all that. But just to be frank, Reggie did not look good in the in the preseason. Uh, not good at all. Once again, preseason, we don't want to freak out too much about it. But especially without Blake, he's going to be the main creator in the offense, you'd have to assume now, in the starting lineup. And without Blake, he's going to have the main focus all on him on, from the defense. And he didn't look good that he didn't look that good in the preseason. I'm, I'm very skeptical, and uh, I think that I think that there is something that I think the Pistons are going to have to start Luke, in the while Blake is gone, like they did in the playoffs, just to get some more shot creation and have another threat in the offense out there. Because with Bruce out there, and then you add Marquise Morris, there I don't see the point of having Bruce out. I think he hurts the team. Yeah, I tweeted that. I tweeted that, but I agree with you that if Blake is going to be out the first 10 games, I, I would guess they probably won't just because that's kind of how Dwayne Casey approaches things. But I think it would be a good idea to just start Luke because if Blake's not going to be starting, then i just put in Luke because you need that creation. But here's something on the note you said, okay? This isn't a huge sample size, but last season, when the lineups where Reggie Jackson was on the floor without Blake Griffin... The heaviest minute lineup was only 60 minutes, so not a huge sample size. But Reggie Jackson, Wayne Ellington, Thonmaker, Bruce Brown, Andre Drummond. In 60 minutes, they were plus 14.6 per 100 possessions. Their second heaviest one, and the only other one that was over 20 minutes, was just about even. Right? So, once again, that's small sample size. I'm not saying that they're going to be great or anything, but it's just there is some reason to hope that the Pistons can at least sort of hold par. Um, they'll need Luke Kennard to make that step that people are hoping he makes. They'll need Reggie Jackson to be ready to go. They'll need Derrick Rose to be ready to go right away, right? Like, there's definitely still a scenario where the Pistons go, like, 2-8 and eight in their first 10 games and Blake Griffin comes back and it's like, well, this is a lost season already. Like, that's definitely in the cards here. I'm just saying, I have some faith that they're going to be able to avoid that. And, just like I said earlier, uh, my honestly, my biggest concern, or maybe not biggest concern, but biggest like thing I'm gonna be watching my the development I want to watch is you know I just went and made a whole video on Andre Drummond's preseason what he was showing in the preseason I wrote about it I've been talking nonstop about it and without Blake I'm concerned that Andre is not going to continue that development that I saw in the preseason with the kicking out and the turning down shots that uh, he could possibly go up with and he struggled with in the past and instead finding open shooters in perimeter and kicking out. I'm, I'm concerned that he he will find it upon himself that he has to try to do stuff. He'll start forcing up those shots that he wasn't doing in the preseason. He'll start forcing up book shots instead of kicking out. And then that will just, not only will that sink the Pistons, that will sink Andre, that will sink his contract value, that will sink how the fans think of him and it would just be so along with the Pistons likely losing those games. If he's doing that, they'll also start turning on Andre. And then by the time Blake comes back, we already have a bad taste in the mouth of the fans. And then it's just, it would just be a bad, bad season. So I, it's, it's a big concern for me. I don't actually, I'm not too worried about Andre's passing slash forcing stuff too much without Blake. 
Um, particularly so, and you once again, you wrote a piece on it and whatnot, that he showed really good job of not necessarily, it's not the same thing as um, two seasons ago with the heavy motion offense where he's getting lots of assists. It was more in the flow of the game, you know, him catching the ball as a roll man and then kicking out to the corner and such. Um, my guess is that that's going to stick either way. The main issue is that um, without Blake around, there will probably be less open passes for him to make, right? Uh, but I think that, so look, we know Andre Drummond knows that it's a contract year, and he sees a lot of guys getting paid. And it doesn't it doesn't take a genius to look at his game and his offensive game and go, one of the main things that he is missing is the ability to make those passes quickly, right? He's not a bad passer as a center. We've established this. We've talked about that, right? He's not a bad passer, but him potentially making himself into a legitimately a plus passer within the natural flow of the offense, right? Like, catch the ball, immediately see the corner, and flip over to the corner. That's something that he hasn't always had in his game. And admittedly, part of the reason for that is he's so good as a role man that he usually is like, I'm just going to try and score because that's fine because he's so good at it. But that's a pretty big place that he's been missing in his offensive game. So the fact that we saw it so much in the preseason says to me that this is something that Andre Drummond and his, you know, his people looked at, and they were like, if we want to make sure we get paid this next offseason, this is a big hole, we want to address it. So he wants to, I think that that's going to be an emphasis for him all season. The bigger worry is just that without Blake, there won't be as many open passes for him to make. Um, and for what it's worth, one other thing, now obviously fans' reactions, I mean, we've talked about this before, they'll probably hate on Andre Drummond no matter what, right? That's just kind of a reality at this point. But there's a degree to which if Blake Griffin is out, so like let's just say, okay, so Blake Griffin is out, and if they don't start Luke Kennard, I mean, would you say that it would actually be that terrible that Andre maybe forces a little bit more to try and, I mean, what's he going to do? Pass it to Bruce Brown to stand and not shoot? Markeith Morris isolations? I mean, like. That's what, well, Joe, that's what I'm saying. Like, like he's not gonna if, if let's say he doesn't start Luke, which it's not out the realm of possibility because we know Dwayne Casey. If he does, if he doesn't do that, it's not like Andre kicking out to Bruce and Marquise is gonna be the greatest thing. But then like, it's like it's not like the, the second option is much better for the team at all. And forcing up hook shots and and well, shots at the rim. That's and trying the to do key. The okay, steps and... we don't want him trying to force up hook shots. But and I've said this before. If he is putting his head down and going at the rim, I'm okay with it because there's two things. First off, that's how you draw fouls. Second off, it gives him a chance to rebound his own misses. And, I mean, look, it's not an ideal situation to be in, but I think, look, fans' reaction will be bad because the fans are stupid. But I'm not that worried about Andre forcing things too much. Um, Because I... I just have some faith that he's sort of come far enough in terms of knowing his game, knowing his skill set. And last season, he took a lot less hook shots. I mean, this is something that we talked about, which, um, as much as anything, was a facet of the fact that he really believes in himself as a free-throw shooter now. Um, where before, one of the reasons that he took those hook shots is that he was so scared of getting fouled, so he didn't want to... So he, he shied away from contact. Whereas this past season... 
you saw him do a lot more face up and dribble and move towards the hoop and actually trying to force contact, right? Um, he sometimes still tries to be a little more finesse than he really should, uh, but he's a lot more aggressive in going towards the hoop, and that does good things in every way. It's easier to score that way, you get fouled and go to the free throw line, and because he's Andre Drummond, you want him to do that so that he can rebound his own misses when he does miss. So, I'm just, I'm not too worried about that just because, I mean, if Blake Griffin's going to be out, and especially because I really don't think that they're going to start Luke Kennard, uh, when the lineup is Reggie Jackson, Bruce Brown, Tony Snell, Markeith Morris, and Andre Drummond, um, there's a good argument that in terms of like, you know, there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock and someone needs to do something, Andre Drummond might be their second best guy at that, in that lineup, quite frankly. Markeith Morris has some isolation game. There's some matchups that will want to feed him a little extra in. Um, maybe Bruce Brown, you know, some of those flashes they showed in Summer League and preseason of being able to handle the ball, take guys off the dribble, maybe that really blossoms and is a real thing that's going to happen this season. Uh, but I just, I'm not... I think Andre Drummond perhaps forcing things a little bit at the start of the season with Blake Griffin out, that's going to be very low on the list of issues for the Pistons. It may be on the low, it may be on the low, low of the list for you with the Pistons, but I think it would, it'll be on the high list of reasons why they won't pay him if it goes bad. I mean, I don't know. Um, because I don't think anyone serious at least, thinks that Andre Drummond is really capable of being that sort of number one or number one A option in an offense, right? Like, I don't think that the Pistons think that or anyone else thinks that. Uh, so I think anyone who would look at that situation and be like, man, Andre Drummond shouldn't get paid because of that. Um, I mean, I just don't think that it would change that much because we know that he would be overextended in that situation. He's best as that sort of third guy complementary offensive player, right? Where in the when used correctly, he can be a lethal weapon in a good offense, but he on his own is not going to make you a good offense. So I just I just don't think that's gonna change things a whole lot. And especially if it ends up being like ten games. I mean the ten games at the start of the season is not gonna have a huge impact on whether or not he gets paid. I'm not I'm just not too worried about that. All right, we'll see, I guess. Um, this wasn't originally in the plan, but I want to, since we kind of touched on it, okay? Bruce Brown, where do you see him going this season? Do you think, because so in, in Summer League, obviously he looked very good, but that's Summer League. In preseason, he showed some real, potentially some real progress as a driver, um, more so than he had last season. Do you think that's going to be something that's for real? How far do you think he can take that? Um... I said this during the preseason. I tweeted it multiple times. I think Bruce Brown should have the ball in his hands a lot more than he did last year, obviously. I think he actually should, especially with Blake out, I think he legit should have the ball in his hands a decent amount while Blake is out, and I'll tell you why. And once again, uh, it was summer league, so, you know, I'm going to try not to mention summer league as much, even though I feel like that that mattered at least a little bit. But in preseason – especially the game when they made like a comeback with like all the bench players and he was leading it. Obviously it was against the other team's bench, but like just in preseason in general, he continued to make the, the same passes that he was making in summer league. Like, like for, okay. 
basically what I'm saying is this. In Summer League, if someone shoots like 55% from three or they're just bullying people and they're just like, they're like overpowering people. Those are things that like, we know he was just feeling it during Summer League. Oh, he's just stronger than people there in Summer League, blah, blah, blah. Those are the things like, you know, you can't really take away as much. But reading a defense and making the right pass and reading how to like react to what the defense does, those are the kind of things you can take. And he showed that during the Summer League. And he showed it during the preseason against NBA competition. And it was like he showed – and he struggled still a little bit, I think, with finishing at the rim, even though he showed – he's showing some progress. And I think one of the – I forgot who it was, but he, he mentioned in the offseason – I think it was James Edwards. He mentioned in the offseason with him that one of his issues was he was taken, too, taken off too far away from the basket. And that was, like, one of the main things he work, he's working on to get, like, one extra dribble or one extra step towards the rim to uh, help him finish and get contact which he did get a lot of contact during preseason. But basically, he continued to show the passing ability, the ball handling ability, and the ability just to get to the rim. Like, even if he's not a great finisher, the dude's just so free, so much of a freak athlete. He just gets to the rim whenever he wants, pretty much. Especially in the pick and roll. And he's become a, he's become a smart enough and a good enough passer to find people open. So I, I personally think, especially with Blake out, I definitely want to see him with the ball in his hands more. Not because I just like Bruce and I want to see Bruce develop. I think it actually will help the Pistons' offense, and like, is it actually is a option the Pistons need to do if they want to like optimize their lineup and do the best they can. But even when Blake comes back, I think he should have the ball in his hands some. And it's because like Blake's already hurt before the season. You want to keep the load off Blake as much as possible. Like you still want Blake to be Blake, be a monster, be a demon, etc. But you want to take you want to take some of that load off him. I, I think that Bruce has shown that he deserves. I mean, even if you want poo-poo the summer league and poo-poo the preseason, I mean, what was the what's the point of playing in those if he shows you the right things and then you just say, you just poo-poo it? It should at least get him a chance, and a, like a legit chance to for real be a part of the offense at least during the regular season. Then if it doesn't go well in the regular season, then okay. But there's like, what's the point of him like showing out in the summer league and then showing out in the preseason that he can do this? If you're just going to poo-poo and say, well, you know, it's not against regular season, so we're not going to do it. So I think he should legit be a part of the offense, have the ball in his hands a lot. I trust him with the ball in his hands. He's made really good passes, finds these open shooters. My only concern is is that he's going to be kicking out to non-shooters, and it's just going to result to misses anyways. That's my only concern. But with Bruce, I think he should for real be a part of the offense, ball handling-wise. Well, and, and the second unit. I asked Langston about that in the uh, after one of the preseason games in the second unit. Langston thought it, Langston told me he thought it was a good idea. He told me that he thinks that Bruce is quote unquote just a playmaker, and I think he should be like that in the second unit too. If Derek is maybe if Derek's like they got Derek playing with the starting lineup some, or like with Reggie in the starting lineup, not the starting lineup, but like in a closing lineup or like in the second quarter they got Reggie and. Uh, Reggie and Derek out there. If any point Bruce ends up out there with Langston and Luke or whatever, even in the second unit, have him in the ball handle out there. I just think he deserves to have the ball in his hands if the Pistons want to like optimize everything they have. Well, so there are kind of two things. So the first thing is, and you touched on this, right? That um, there's some things that when guys do in summer league or in preseason, you just kind of go, I'm whatever, you know, that's great, but I don't care. And there's some things that are real and more translatable. And like you said, just sort of the ability to read the defense and make the right passes. Like, that's harder at the NBA level because the windows are smaller, guys are bigger, faster, stronger, etc., etc., obviously. But 
If you can do that at lower levels, that's something that can translate. And this other thing within that is that we already knew from last season that Bruce has proven he's got such a quick first step, he can get around people, right? Like, we know that. The issue last season was that he just, once he got around people, he often just didn't know what to do. He was pretty out of control on a lot of his drives. Um, he didn't take good angles to the hoop often, like you said. Um, he took off. He jumped too early. Sometimes he jumped too late, etc., etc. Like, which is okay. He looked very much like a rookie when he got into the lane. Like, that's that's one of the biggest areas that's hard for rookies to adapt to the NBA level. So it's okay. But we know already from last season in meaningful regular season and playoff basketball, Bruce Brown has a good enough first step. He can get around a lot of dudes. Right? So, if he can just refine that a little bit, he's got something there. The main worry for me is not actually that he'd be passing to a lot of non-shooters, though. The main worry for me is that he still it looks like he's going to be a total non-shooter. And when the games count, teams are going to be a lot more willing to just, like, play way, way off him. Which will make it a lot harder for him to get into the paint and do good things. Um... So that's actually the bigger worry for me is that, uh, so, okay, so they wouldn't be right away, but let's just say that, like you said, all right, they do what you're hoping that they do, where he has the ball in his hands some, and, you know, and particularly with second the second unit, he, you know, maybe not outright point guard, but he takes real ball handling duties, and he does really well at the start of the season at it, right? He's showing his ability to pass. He's getting by guys. If he proves that he can do that, then other teams are just going to be like, well, this guy can't, you know, he couldn't throw the ball into the ocean while standing on the pier. And we're just going to play way back. And they're going to play him like teams played Ish Smith. And now he's, you know, he's walled off. And that's a... We talked about Ish Smith's issues in the half court for this reason a ton. And I don't think Bruce Brown is as smart a passer as Ish Smith is. And, and remember, Ish Smith also a good shooter in the mid-range. He just couldn't shoot threes. Bruce Brown can't shoot from anywhere. So that'd be my bigger worry is that um, I think that it could potentially result in stifling the offense. But, on the other hand, the only way teams are going to do that is if he proves that he can hurt you with the ball in his hand. So, give him the ball, make defenses make that adjustment. I agree with you there, for sure. But but even to your point about people sagging off, I mean, I think also it was James who mentioned it in the preseason. I forget, it may not have been, but I'd be forgetting these names, who does it? But I know someone did mentioned it. There was a couple plays where, I mean, and it's probably more than just a few plays because, like you said, I think it's pretty known that Bruce can't really shoot. So I'm sure it happened on more than a few plays. But there was multiple plays that were pointed out where teams just went under screen so far because they didn't they didn't uh, respect Bruce's jumper, and Bruce is just still so so quick and so so explosive that he still just exploded past them when he came off the roll. Oh yeah, like, for sure. And like that's possible. He can still just like. Like obviously it's going to still be an issue because he's not going to be able to do that all the time, but like he's that just that's more speaking to how much of an explosive athlete he is. To where even if teams play under the screen, he still he still has that kind of explosiveness to still just say I don't care, I'm just going to go to the basket anyways. So I mean, I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's a guy who he is so fast, so quick, and strong that even when teams duck way under. You know, I mean, this was something that um, 
I think Monta Ellis is probably the main guy that stands out in my mind where teams would go way under screens and he was so fast that he'd be like, I'm just going to race you there. And he'd often beat guys just because he's that fast, right? Bruce Brown isn't that fast, but he's fast, quick, and strong enough that he can do that. But that's a tough living to make. (laughs) So, I mean, it's just... So, I'm not saying that he won't be effective still, but I think that his effectiveness could be pretty significantly limited uh, with that in mind. But, as I said before, the only way that teams are going to start to do that is if he really starts to prove that he can hurt teams otherwise, right? So, give him the ball, make him earn that respect with his driving that teams have to play so far off of him, because at that point, there are some counters you can throw into it, right? So... Um, you could have Blake set a screen for him, and then if they duck that far under, then they're going to have to leave Blake open, and now Blake has an open three or whatever, right? Like, there's ways you can counter that. So, I'm all behind with you. Um, give him the ball. Make him make him earn that respect from defenses. And especially if Blake is going to be out for the first several games, let, let the man try some stuff. There's possessions available. Yep, I agree. Okay, so next thing. Um, let's talk about the roster finalization, which happened. So Christian Wood played really well in the preseason, uh, and earned a roster spot by most accounts. It sounded like it pretty much came down to Joe Johnson or Kyrie Thomas. Uh, we have heard that supposedly the Pistons looked around at some trade options for Kyrie, couldn't really find any for him. And so they ended up deciding to cut Joe Johnson. So Kuka Hill, tell me. Your thoughts on that entire situation? Out the way. Very first thing I want to get out the way. Now, I've had friends say this to me. I've had my brother say it to me. Ask me this. Just get this out the way. The Pistons did not prioritize development over Joe Johnson. They did not do that. The front office did not say we're going to keep Kyrie Thomas because we want to develop him. And it's more important than Joe Johnson. Do not give this front office that credit. That did not happen. That was not what was decided. They tried. To, screw, to to choose Joe Johnson over development. They tried their hardest to do so. They, they tried to get rid of Kyrie Thomas for, for probably weeks, and it, we know this. They were trying to make sure that Joe Johnson made this team, and they were trying to get rid of Kyrie Thomas. This was not one of those, oh, the Pistons front office is so good, they chose development over an older guy, let's give him a plus. No, that is not what happened. If they had the chance, if some team would have bid on it, Kyrie Thomas wouldn't be here. And Joe Johnson would still be on the roster. So let's let's chill out with that. This is not some big plus for the front office. Okay, well, so just as an add-on there. So we heard that supposedly the Pistons offered Kyrie Thomas and a second-round pick to a team. And the team said no. So, yeah, just to add on to what you were saying. That's what that's what we've heard. That So it was very much they tried to find a way to get rid of Kyrie Thomas and they just couldn't. So, once again, like yeah, so, no. The Pistons did not prioritize that development to the young players. They That was not, not – that was just a crossfire. That, that, that was just so happened to happen. But <clears> – excuse me. So, uh, so basically, I don't know. Uh, my feeling is I talked about this. I know how Joe feels about it, so I can't wait for Joe to rebuttal me because he's going to disagree. So, I'm going to get my thoughts out, and I'm going to let Joe go at me. But – I don't know, man. I, I I don't know if I agree with the keeping of Kyrie. Like, obviously, actually, no. They were trying to get rid of Kyrie, and I understand it, basically, is what I'm saying. Because, and I, I brought this up to Joe and everybody last year. I've been on this bandwagon for a minute. 
I don't see like what's the like everyone wants to call all these young players that we have assets. They're not. First of all, they're not really assets. They're they're just not. They're not that good. And the only player people they're assets to is the G League. Like they're, let's stop calling them assets. That's first. Second, it's not like we have asset the quote unquote assets spread out spread out throughout the roster. It's all at two positions, basically one position. It's all at guard. So we have like six guards on the team. And even if you want to say one of them actually were assets, they are not going to get a chance to show that they're an asset because. One, Casey's not going to play them. And two, they're just buried on the death chart. Like, are you going to play Kyrie Thomas over Bruce Brown? Are you going to play him over Luke, Derrick Rose, Svi? Like, I want, I've been on the boat that I want Svi to play this year. But I understand that Casey may not even play him because who's he going to play over? Like, th- these guys were buried on the death chart. So I don't get the point of keeping all of them if they're just going to be buried and not given a chance anyway. So I definitely agree with wanting to move one of them just because you – you can't have all of them. You don't have enough space for everybody. But my, I, I, along with that, another concern of mine was if the whole point of bringing Joe Johnson in was for the development of Sekou Dumboya and that you needed him, and he really was just this, this big mentor for Sekou to where it was such a big deal they actually signed him, then what changed? What what was it that changed that all of a sudden you don't think that he was that, he's that big of a importance for Sekou? That's my only concern about it. Because they're acting like that Joe, they acted like Joe Johnson was like this savior for uh, Seku, and that was the whole reason why they signed him. Well, what changed then? Well, we had heard that it wasn't necessarily just that, but that basically Dwayne Casey was not a big fan of Christian Wood, and that's why they initially brought in um, Michael Beasley, and then they ended up bringing in Joe Johnson. So. I think that was part of it, and then Christian Wood just played so well that Dwayne Casey couldn't complain about keeping him. I think that's what it was as much as anything. But I think the main the main thing with Kyrie Thomas is, so like you said, look, there's definitely a tendency to overvalue young guys where it's like, well, he's young. I mean, just because he's young doesn't mean he's actually going to be any good. But there's a couple of things with him. So first off is that, even if you want to say, all right, Kyrie Thomas is buried down the depth chart. He's probably not going to play it all this season, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. How much did we think Joe Johnson was going to play this season? And he would have been, what, like third or fourth in line at either forward position. He's 38. The last season he had, he was terrible in the NBA. So, like, he's probably not going to play it all this season either. And you know he's not going to get any better to, like, become anything worthwhile down the line. And while even though the Pistons may think Kyrie Thomas is not going to become anything worthwhile, he may at least be on the roster next season. You know, he might become something worthwhile. So it's like, you've got two guys that are both... I let let my computer sit for too long. It's okay, though. Um, So you've got two guys who are probably not going to play at all this season. One of them is... How old is Kyrie? I think Kyrie Thomas is 22. One of them is 38. One of them had one season in the NBA. He did pretty decently win with the opportunities he was given. He played really well in Summer League, played really well in the G League. Oh, we lost Koo. Hopefully he comes back soon. Played really well in Summer League, played really well in the G League. He played decently in the few minutes where he played, like, real minutes in the NBA. Um, he fits a clear archetype, etc., etc. So it just it just seemed like kind of a no-brainer to me. All right. You're back? Okay, cool. 
I'm just I'm just gonna keep talking then. Um, so it just kind of seemed like a no-brainer to me that you know neither guy is probably gonna play much this season. One of them is 22. One of them is 38. One of them, even if you don't think he's likely to become something worthwhile down the road, he's shown at least some promise. It's not like there's been some big red flags about him. Um, so it's just it just it would have been pretty disappointing to me to if they had dropped him to keep Joe Johnson. Um, so let's say that it was Joe Johnson of two years ago, and you think no, this guy's going to be a real rotation player. Like this is our backup small forward or something. Okay. Then I understand Joe Johnson has a tangible value right now to this Pistons team, right? If that was the case, sure. I don't know that Joe Johnson really has any tangible value this season beyond what Kyrie Thomas is. End of the bench guy who might play in like 20-some games this season. Like that That's what Joe Johnson's value was this season. And the whole veteran mentor thing, I'm going to just come out and say this. If that really is true, that says pretty bad things about basically everyone else on this Pistons roster. Because when you look at their rotation, it's not exactly a bunch of spring chickens anymore. Blake Griffin is 30. Andre Drummond's only like 26, but he's been in the league for like 8 years. Um, Reggie Jackson's like 28. He's been in the league for like 8 years. Uh, Tony Snell is almost, he's almost 30 now, isn't he? He's been in the league for like 8 years too. Let me double check how old he is. Tony Snell has been in the league for six years. He is almost 30. Not quite there yet. Um, you know, Derek Rose is is almost 30 now. Like, there's just Markeith Morris is that, you know, it's just it's not like they're it's like if this was the Pistons of like three years ago where their oldest rotation player is a 28-year-old Aaron Baines. Then I'd be like, okay, let's let's have Joe Johnson around because the, everybody who's playing minutes on this team is really, really young and inexperienced. That's just not the case anymore. This team isn't old, but they have plenty of experience. So just quite frankly, if you think you desperately need Joe Johnson, a guy who, by the way, not that he's ever had a reputation as a bad teammate or anything, it's not like he's one of these dudes who's had this reputation as just this all-world teammate leader type. Like... You know, it's not like he's got Mike Miller's reputation or anything like that. Uh, so it just, it just, it's not something I was worried about. And if the Pistons really thought that was going to be that big of an issue, that does not say much for the rest of this roster, quite frankly. Okay, so what was the last thing you heard from me before I died? Uh, I was talking, so. Yeah. Oh, well, basically, uh. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember if you guys heard anything I said, but... We heard what you said. I started talking. Like, I had already started talking when you cut out. Oh, well... Alright, well, I mean, I don't really have much to say, then. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I know you are pleased that they kept Christian Wood. Yes, very pleased. You were like, a big he, fan of him from the moment decided... he stepped on the floor. Yeah, like so. If 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 it wasn't had if it hadn't already been decided that he should make the team after the first preseason game, then I don't know what people were watching. Well, it's also a nice benefit just knowing that they now have like an actual backup center. That's a nice thing. Um, just we now know that Thon Maker is not going to be playing backup center for the Detroit Pistons. That is a good yeah, feeling to have. That's the biggest thing. That is a very good feeling to have. <laughs> although, although I will no longer continue with the blasphemous Tom Maker <laughs> yeah. slander. Because... Yeah, you got to look these people in the eye. 
No, it's and that that and also he's a cool dude in locker. Like he jokes around. He's he, like so. I, I'm not. He's a cool person. So I'm not going to continue with the blasphemy of of uh, Thon Maker. But hey, well, I know what's stupid that. about um, Christian Wood. Huh? Fantasy basketball has him qualified as a power forward. I'm pretty angry about that. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. His backup position ain't center. Yeah, so he's he's not a forward slash center. He's just a power forward. Oof. So I'm kind of mad about that because when Blake got hurt, I added him because he because there's a good chance he's going to play some power forward now because that's what they've said, right? He even did a little bit in preseason. He played next to Andre a little bit. Um, so I was like, oh, he'll be because I, I I'm in a pretty deep league. There's 18 teams in it, so it's deep. So you need to get guys like that. So I was like, oh, this is going to be an ad. I'm going to put him on the team. And he was a power forward, so I can't actually use him as a backup center. So I'm a little bit upset about that, but that's another thing. I'll well, about. since you mentioned it, uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Because I have something I want to bring up. Go go for it. Do you think that we should see Christian Wood more power forward than anybody else with Blake out? No, it'll be Mark. Next to Andre. It'll Next be Markeith Morris. It better be yeah. Markeith Morris. If... If you don't play Markeith Morris the majority of power four minutes with Blake Hurt, what on earth did you bring him in for? Or do you think that we'll see a lot of minutes or enough minutes of Christian Wood at power four next to Andre? Uh, I think good. I don't know for sure. Um, the one thing is Christian Wood doesn't really shoot. Um, and, like, he can shoot a little bit, but he's not much of a shooter. He operates in a lot of the same areas that Andre operates in. Uh, so, I don't know. Um, with Blake out, I mean, look, <laughs> I think I might prefer him to Thon Maker, but I <laughs> goose shaking his head. <laughs> yeah, I think I might prefer him to Thon Maker, but I just, uh, I don't know. I don't think that it's a great option next to Andre necessarily. Uh, but I think they're probably going to give it a shot, at least in some minutes with Blake out, because just, I, I'd be interested to see how it goes, certainly. Cool, I think your mic's not plugged in or something. No, I'm here. I'm okay. just listening. I thought you were trying to talk. Uh, nope. Yeah, I don't think that it'll... I wouldn't be excited about it being a regular thing, but I'd be interested to at least see how it looked. Just because they do kind of operate in the same areas on offense. Right. But on the I other like... hand, at least Christian, at least Christian Wood operates successfully in a area, as opposed to Thon Maker operating in a different area, but so badly that it doesn't matter. That's fair. <laughs> the The main worry is that I'm I'm not sure that Christian Wood like Christian Wood doesn't play a lot of defense. Just if we're if we're being honest about the situation, and if you make him guard power forwards instead of centers. I think that that might potentially get even worse. Uh, so we'll see. I'll I'll be interested to see how that goes. I would guess they'll probably do it at least some with Blake Griffin out. All right. What else do you got? That's kind of all we had planned on talking beforehand. We can do more though. I don't have nothing else. I I want to talk about Bruce, but you brought him up. Okay. I, like that was the thing I was going to bring up. If you okay. didn't talk about it, but then you brought it up. So Okay, well, we're at, like, that. we're almost to 50 minutes, so that's okay for this one. Um, so, in case you didn't see, uh, I tweeted it the other night, but so, um, I probably didn't actually tear my ACL, but I messed up my knee quite badly. I'll find out for sure what it was, what it is tomorrow. I've got an appointment with a specialist. 
Um, but either way, I'm probably going to be put up and out of commission for like a week, so I'm not going to be doing much of anything else. Uh, so we will probably be recording very regular podcasts, at least to start the season. Um, once I'm back at work, I'll be working a lot, so it might be a little more sporadic. But to start the season, we'll probably be pretty regular. Uh, I think we're tentatively planning on recording one after the game tomorrow night. Yeah, cool. what do you need? Uh, just real quick, since we're about to end the podcast, just real quick. Um, since I'm going to be at the games now, I plan on everyone go and subscribe to my YouTube channel, Coos Ballroom. Because I plan on uh, uploading press conference uh, with Dwayne Casey. I plan on uploading questions with players in the locker room, uploading stuff at halftime, uploading pregame stuff. Like, I plan on doing a lot of stuff at the games. So go ahead and go and subscribe there if you want to see some stuff there uh, at the Pistons game. I'm going to plan on trying to do a lot of that kind of stuff. So there's some uh, unique content unique content that you don't get from other people. Yeah. Go ahead and hit my YouTube up. And also, um, I think that we can, and we didn't really talk about this, but we can plan on integrating your um, your credentialed work into the podcast a little more. Uh, so, like, you know, so people, you want, Koo's at the games. So if you've got something you want him to ask someone, like a serious question, obviously, Koo's not going to go in there and ask some jokes, like, you know, hey, Andre, <laughs> do you ever fiddle with your titties at night or anything? You know, he's not going <laughs> to say anything like that. Uh, he's not going to ask Derrick Rose if he can marry him or anything like that, although I'm sure that he wants to. But if you've got serious questions you want to ask, go ahead and tweet it at him. Um, or I know if it's on one of the podcasts, I guess you could tweet at me, but tweet at him anyways. Um, but yeah, and we'll probably be, I'm sure that'll be a feature of the podcast going forward because you're going to be at the game, so we'll we'll get a lot, yep. better, um, a lot better insight into how things are looking in the locker room, how guys are looking and you know, in pregame and all that sort of stuff, because Koo's going to be right there. He's going to be right up close. And, yeah, so really excited for the season that's coming up. Um, if you do tweet if you do tweet at me a question or Joe a question that you want, like, something that has to do with me being at the game or ask you want me to ask a player a question, you just have a question about what's going on there, make sure you, like, do – we should do, like, some kind of hashtag to let them know it's, like, about – it's from the podcast, like, not just somebody being like, hey, Koo, do this. So, like – we could just do hashtag ask who if you want. All right, all right, there you go. Yeah, sure. So hashtag ask who. So if you've got any questions, whether it's something you want him to ask a player or a coach, um, or you've just got a question about something, um, tweet at hashtag ask who, and he'll, we'll, we'll do our best to get on that. Um, I suppose because our next podcast will be after the first game, um, before we quit, what is your official prediction for wins for the Detroit Pistons this season. Alright, so I had it at 44 in the middle of the offseason after we signed Derrick Rose. I had it at 44 wins. But now with Blake being out and you know, I really wanted to be optimistic about this season. I really wanted to be happy. think we maybe we could get like 6th seed, 5th seed. Be really ecstatic about this season. But you know, with Blake being out, I'm going to have to lower that, that win total to about 38, 39. Oh, so the Pistons are missing the playoffs. Yeah. Drum roll, please. 51. What? Yep, 51 games. <laughs> yeah. Have a good night, everybody. I'm out. Have a blessed night, everybody. Stay beautiful and go Pistons.